This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Pierre Novelli is with us this morning. You can text the show on 812.15, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Good morning. Morgan. Morgan. Um, now we have a guest today. We don't often have guests on this show. Oh, I would um, have put my makeup on if I'd have known. We have, um, well, I think we are filming it, so... Uh, oh, I'm glad you gave me a heads up. It won't be like, do you remember Webcam Gate? That was terrible. Oh, no, yeah, we forgot. They, they used to film the whole show, Pierre, in the early oh, right. days. And um, we sort of forgot about it, because we didn't really do anything visual. Yeah. And then... Um, Emily said, I need to change my jumper. We were sent Christmas jumpers oh, by yeah. a brand. So um, we all had to leave the office so that we didn't see her brassier. But she forgot that all the webcams was off. There was a moment, Frank pointed out at the end, similar to the ending of Kind Hearts and Coronets. I apologise for any spoiler alert, but I'm afraid it's been too long now. Uh, where he says, my memoirs, my memoirs. And Frank went, the webcam. <laughs> it was a terrible moment. Yeah, and I got a couple of, like, approving messages from people. People in the, with them. Um, yeah. The sort of people who but, like to watch their radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> OK, anyway, um, that won't be happening again. So, yeah, Ian Brodie will be on. Ah. Oh, go telly and Brodie, go telly and Brodie, go telly and Brodie. The old grey goose is dead. Don't call him um, that. No. no, I'm going to tell him about the death of the old grey. Who's going to tell him? I'm not going to tell oh, him. Oh, God. If anyone uh, is listening, our uh, thoughts with the old grey goose's family. Who do get mentioned in the song, I think. The goslings are crying and the gander is upset. And I believe an old... Um, aunt... Uh, I think it might be Rhodey, is it? Anyway... The aunt is um, making a, f- a feather bed thing. So, oh. yeah. I thought they slaughtered these creatures for the feathers, but it turned out in, in Aunt Rhody's days, they waited till they had experienced a natural death. <laughs> and, uh, and then there were opportunists, quilt-based opportunists. <laughs> Who else are your thoughts with families? Are your thoughts also with Humpty Dumpty's family? I think he survived, oh, did he? he? Did he? I thought they couldn't put him back together again, or is that one of the other ones? Oh, yeah, I think that was... I think in the second verse, he has extensive um, cosmetic surgery. <laughs> hey, listen, I went to um, David Bedeal's house... Lovely. Uh, ...on Thursday night at 9.45. Now, I rarely call on people that late, and I can think I can honestly say every time I call on someone after dark... I always say the same thing. Did you send for an exorcist? I always say that when I'm standing <laughs> at the door. And sure enough. So there are certain things I... But there used to be a... T- I saw a, 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 a performance poet and he told a story about... He was selling something, I think, on eBay, or eBay probably didn't exist then, but he was selling it in a local paper. And he was phoned by a Yorkshireman. And this poet was called David. A Yorkshireman called everyone who's called David Davos. It's a Yorkshire thing. And he said he phoned me a few times and because I live in a student house, different people answered the phone. He said, so when he finally got me, he said, now then, Davos, dost thou live in a commune? <laughs> and, uh, and then this performance poet started going, now then, Davos, now then, Davos, now then, Davos, dost thou live in a commune? And got the whole audience to do it. So I, I used to do that with Dave all the time, <laughs> driving him inside. Anyway, so I turned up and the, the purpose of my visit was um, for us to watch the new fantasy football league. Oh, that's so adorable. Songs us. Songs cameras. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. I said we should film this. <laughs> this would be, this would be good on the uh, on the internet. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, of us watching it. Did you instinctively assume your original couch position? You know, we did exactly that. I didn't realise that till about halfway through. But we sat 
we always sit in a certain way. The deal and Skinner left to right, like yeah. and and Deck always stand in the same way. And uh, Phil and Holly, they were there. Yeah. I mean, they'd been there since half seven. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll tell you what happened. Frank Skinner. We were just talking about the Phil and Holly thing that they. We talk about the chair on this show. So someone's in the drinking yeah. chair and someone's in the bad temper chair. Mm. I don't know if there was anyone in the queue jumping chair before. <laughs> no. I think they've had to have a new chair built. Yeah. yeah. It's a double, like a kissing chair, you know, when you're facing yeah. each other. Yes. <laughs> but so unwise to to skip a queue, the least British thing, during perhaps the most British day. Yes. <laughs> Such yes. a terrible combo. Well, we don't know. We're still given the benefit of the doubt that they were on some sort of journalistic mission. The trouble is it's too funny to not give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, um, Pierre was uh, saying... I'm sorry, I don't, I'm trying to get you to say... Basically, we were talking about how people remember those things forever. That's what oh, you're... Yeah. Some, That's one it. of you mentioned Paddy Ashdown, the former Liberal, and as soon as you said it, I thought, oh, he was in the SAS. It was like the thing that was said <laughs> about him. Can you tell your Paddy Ashdown? Because yes, this yeah. is a very good example. I think, I think it was a, a young Paddy Ashdown canvassing around for, for liberal votes and he came across a cottage with an ancient woman in it who refused to vote for the liberals because they'd abandoned Gordon in Khartoum. <laughs> yeah. Which is a Victorian military campaign. From, exactly. And from the film, film with uh, Chuck Heston. Oh, yeah, yeah, playing Gordon, playing General Gordon. But, yeah, my dad uh, wouldn't vote Labour because his reason was if you put a beggar on horseback, they'll ride into hell. <laughs> Now, this is not something you hear on many party political broadcasts. But that was it. His idea was that we, you know, us poor people, we didn't know, yeah, we, yeah. we couldn't govern. But, you know, if, if the current, you know, if Liz Truss came out with that, it wouldn't be the worst thing she's come out with. No, incredibly. Incredibly. It'd be a poetic turn for her. Um, well, she, has my, she has my support. Do you know? I think it was a trust joke. No, we got it. Oh, Frank, I think that would be a great slogan for the uh, party political broadcast. Yeah, they should go. They um, should go for it. There was another one he used to say. Which is, uh, anyway, I can't remember the other one. Um, Frank, when you said oh. that you were showing up at David Bedil's house at nine forty-five p.m., yeah. the level of specificity was such that I thought, here we go, an alibi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it really does sound that. Why else it? would you? Anyway, we got settled down to watch fantasy football. Did league, he make which you, I need a little bit more detail. Did he make you tea? How does it uh, work with you two? Does he say cup of tea or? Well, actually, um, Moena, he's. Um, oh. I'm going to call her his good lady wife. <laughs> 1952. She made tea, yeah. I won't Dave watch the football. Tense. I'll make you gentlemen some beverages. So we set ourselves down. A bit, I felt a bit like, uh, you know how Sir Alex Ferguson likes to sit in the, the stands at Man United games? <laughs> and whenever the camera cuts to him, he's talking to a bloke next to him. And you think, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. <laughs> Something derogatory, you just know. Um, anyway, we sat down and we watched it. In case you don't know, Fancy Football League, which is something that me and David Badil used to do in the uh, 90s and beyond, I think, um, <clears throat> is, is now um, hosted by new people. Making <laughs> <laughs> a mention of new people. Yes, it was uh, Reese and Matt are doing it now. And, Ellis, uh, isn't it? Oh. Oh, no, sorry, Alice. Alice James, yeah. Sorry, I get, I get the Welsh comics mixed up. <laughs> um, I thought it was Max Boyce. <laughs> anyway, it was, the truth was, it was, it was good. Was it? It's now getting round it. Now, I'm not saying... That's annoying, No, sorry. you know what? We, liked, we did like yeah. it, and it was quite a nice thing. I, I'm not saying if it had been terrible, we wouldn't have liked that, because <laughs> we would have liked it, but in a different way. <laughs> so we came out liking it, and I didn't wake up in the night thinking, oh, I feel better about that. Um, uh, feel bad about the fact that mm. I, you know... So it was good. We laughed. And also... Um, and we love those two. I do well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, 
And they've got a, a, a stato who does jokes, which I wasn't... We never thought of that. Uh. <laughs> well, when you say you never thought of it, that that is verboten. <laughs> but, um, no, it was good. i got to say it was good. You should you should check it out. I, I can't believe I got um, Ellis's name wrong. I'll never forgive oh, me. Oh, it's all right. No. Oh, man. There is a Reese James, isn't there? Yes, yes, there is, yeah. Oh, well, I'm 65. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. God, if I was old enough to remember stuff like that, I'd still be doing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. OK, so, um, if it, what's your feeling on advertising? Can you ever think of an example of advertising which, you have really, which really has drawn you in and made you buy something or do something? Because I had an experience recently mm. when I've thought, I always felt that advertising sort of washes over me. But um, someone said to me uh, about TV advertising that if you think TV doesn't have an influence on people, try and get a snooker table during the World Championships on the telly. And you just can't. Right. And I think it's the same with tennis courts during Wimbledon. Yeah. So anyway, I saw an advert for Monster Munch. <laughs> and it said that Monster Munch... How were the 70s? No, this is recent, it's a <laughs> recent campaign. Do give them my love. Now, this is a very modern campaign because it <laughs> says Monster Munch, each packet less than 100 calories. And I thought, hold on, oh. hold on. Is that all you get in a packet of... I felt like I'd been given some fabulous free pass to junk food. Mm. Since then, I can honestly say I have eaten more Monster Munch in the last three weeks than I've eaten in my whole <laughs> life. I just think, wow, this is... just like, It won't do any harm. Mm. So all it took was for someone to sort of say that, you know, that Monster Munch is harmless. Yeah, well, they didn't actually say that. No. They say, I mean, I don't know what else is in Monster Munch. I'll wait for that campaign <laughs> <laughs> to come up. But um, now, so that's my uh, that's my snack food of choice now. I, I, I'm trying to think of the last time I was really sort of credulously absorbed by an advert, but I, I'm not sure. But certainly there are some jingles from childhood that are stuck in my head forever. Mm. That's oh, definitely yes. true. I yeah, think I definitely it it influenced what drink I first started ordering, alcoholic beverage, uh, okay. when I was old enough. And I can remember I'd heard of Cinzano because of Joan Collins, who featured in I think it was in the seventies or eighties with Leonard Rossiter. Very good, right? Yeah. yeah. And the sort of the narrative of the ad was them on a plane, and he kept. Did he keep repeatedly spilling alcohol over her? Yeah, I think. If, I think there were different ones. It was one of these. But every time, I think every time he spilled, so he would say, "Oh my God," and all that stuff. And then he'd, and she'd be appalled by him right. just generally. And then he'd yes. spill uh, Cinzano Bianco. On it. Yeah, it was Chenzo. But uh, I remember it was the way, and I thought Joan Collins was just my idol, and I thought, oh, I'd love to order that in a bar when I go in. And yeah. I can say it like her and say, I'll have yeah. a Chenzano Bianco, please. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, that's what I'm like in the local news agents <laughs> now with Monster Munch. <laughs> Which, did, you, did you specify a flavour, Frank? I do apologise if I forget. I, I, my, if anyone says to me, like with crisps or something, what flavour do you want? I will occasionally, if I'm feeling fussy, I'll say not barbecue. Because mm. I think barbecue tastes a bit like back of the fridge dust. Yeah. But do you say that to the vendor? Because I find it helps to be more specific. No, I say any, in, in pubs and that, I'll say any, just choose a flavour and I'll eat it. They hate that. Yeah. Uh, that's, they're not paid to make decisions. Well, can you, can you guess what I say when I ask for crisps? Go on. Well, I think you might. I mean, Oh, no cheese or chi no, uh, chive or onion. Yeah. yeah. I just, yeah. Um, so is it the pickled onion? Do you favour that one? The, the Monster Munch? I, I just honestly, I just I don't even know what colours they are. I just, just I just know there's less than a hundred calories. You just spin the roulette wheel. Yeah, what they've done with their calories is their business. I don't know what what <laughs> what um, what flavour they've concocted um, from them is fine. But you know, look at me, I'm you know slim as a rake, and I'm living on Monster Munch virtually. They call me M and M now locally. <laughs> Frank Skinner. 
A lot of our readers very excited that um, Ian Brodie is coming in. Oh, go tell Ian Brodie. Ian Robson, Eamon Dolan, he's coming home. Lucky you. Very People fabulous. are thrilled. He's, he's, uh, he's a popular lad. I should damn well hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I was raving about. You know, he's been uh, given him since Gordon and Cartoon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He should have done that. He should have done more. I don't think he's quite that old here. Mm. But we'll we'll find out. We'll ask him Mm. if he was involved in Cartoon. (laughs) I I wouldn't if I were you. Have we heard from um, Alfresco? Yes, we have. Yeah, Alfresco de Mond. We have um, uh, 6002 text in saying, just Googled Pierre to put a face to a voice. Mm. Fortunately, he looks just like my mate Tim from the pub, so it's quite easy. Martin. <laughs> oh, that's good, isn't it? Oh, what do you think? Oh, I hope Tim's nice looking. Tim, I... Uh, what do you mean? Yeah. How could he not be? <laughs> well caught, Frank. <laughs> that's very, very nice. <laughs> nice. I juggled it a bit, but I got there. Out else. Mm. Is that out else? Well, it's it's a lot of people. I mean, I have to say, Ian's a popular lad, Frank. I mean, maybe it, we should have people are just glad we've got a guest <laughs> for a bit, of, just a break, a people, break from it all. Do you do you think people wish we did have guests? I don't know. We should what uh, have a vote on whether we should have guests. The trouble is, if you have guests every week, you end up having rubbish guests. Is that right? Yeah. You'll so eventually. I think you just have ones you like. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, okay. Never commit. It's my, uh, <laughs> it's my motto. Not actually my motto, but you never know. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Ladies first. <laughs> We've heard from Martin Cheek. Oh, yes. Hi, Frank, Emily, and hopefully Pierre. I love that Richard Curtis film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> knowing how much you like museums and exhibitions... I thought you might like to hear about the Small Films exhibition currently showing at the Canterbury Museum. Mm. And what I like is that Small Films is in little marks, little quote marks. Okay. Um, It features artwork from all the Small Films series, including Nog in the Nog, which was inspired by your old friends, the Lewis Chess set pieces. Yes. It's also a very good programme in its own right. Yes. Um, but also, the other reason Martin Cheek's getting in touch is that Oliver Postgate lived in Broadstairs. Oliver Postgate was the, the brains behind uh, Noggin' the Nog. Mm. Oh. Where I currently abide. Broadstairs, OK. When he died, we were able to get a blue plaque for his former house. Plaque? I know, I should have said plaque. <laughs> I don't like plaque. I didn't know even posh people said plaque. <laughs> I don't think they do. OK. Um... His partner commissioned me to make a mosaic of the clangers to accompany the plaque. What? Um, <laughs> the plaque. I didn't know that Martin Cheat was a mosaicist. Okay. So you attached. You've got a lovely uh, image of it. I think he did the Humpty Dumpty mosaic that followed. Um, him falling off the wall. <laughs> the surgeon. Yeah, and exactly. This might be someone you'll get on as well. In a previous life, I had the opportunity to animate the clangers. What? Well, they were animated, weren't they? I used to be a puppet. Yeah. Oh, and we worked on... Art and Cheek animated the clangers. <laughs> <laughs> That's my message to Martin Cheek. But Martin says, because we've talked about puppets a lot, the puppets were a bit crotchety. Not... I love that expression. What do you mean, Ill- ill-tempered? <laughs> They're not musical. Divas. Not having moved for many years. Oh, um, they had got the originals out there. But oh. I managed to get them to perform to the satisfaction of the BBC producer. OK. What okay. about the soup dragon? What was he like? <laughs> <laughs> Did you meet Draculus on your noggin shoot? A tell-all <laughs> memoir. Oh, that would be great, about the Postgate years. <laughs> you could call it Postgate Gate. <laughs> Frank Skinner. You may be familiar with Ruth Jordan, who's one of our regular correspondents. Mm -hmm. Firstly, Ruth says uh, she's got a question for Ian when he comes in. Maybe we'll save that up. Mm. Ruth also has pointed out something which hadn't even occurred to me. I think it's a fabulous point. Did Martin Cheek mean the Clangers puppets were crotchety or crochet? 
Ah. So perhaps I mispronounced it. Maybe yeah, because, it was a crochet reference. Because maybe if you're doing a mosaic of something that's been crocheted, it's quite hard to get the texture with mm. uh, on tile. Yes, without a sort of infinitely small number of little bits of mosaic. Oh, bits God, of you, don't, you don't want it. It's not worth it for the... Cl- I mean, God bless the clangers, well, but... Whilst we're on the crochet... Yeah. Which we are now... Yeah. I found myself Googling something this week, and I thought, how extraordinary. I was Googling strawberry cardigan crochet pattern, and I realised I wanted to make myself a strawberry cardigan. But you're going to knit it or crochet it? Crochet it, I thought. I that won't happen. Can I just say that won't happen? I don't think it will, but what was, what was <laughs> difficult, Frank, was that as I was Googling it, I thought I've gone so far beyond the point at which this is cool and ironic, mm. the crochet and the knitting. It's all right for these Tom Daly young ones. It's all, oh, isn't it cool? Yeah. They do knitting. At this stage, it's... Uh, no, there's no irony left if you no do irony. It. It's getting a little... <laughs> that's just... That's just uh, uh, Emily knows help is on its middle-aged way. Middle-aged woman knitting. I'm afraid it is. <laughs> In the same way that I can't eat Werther's Originals anymore. No, I can... I, you know, I, we've, I, it comes to us all, Pierre. It doesn't feel like it will. It does. Mm. Yeah. No more crocheting once you get to a certain age, dear. Well, I've had to get rid of all my beige. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Well, what? Well... You know, you can still get them at the I Have Given Up shop, which is, you know, I yes. <laughs> I Well, of course, you absolutely Not- can I say uh, Emily's wearing a fabulous cardigan today. And she came in and said, what do you think of this cardigan facing me? And I said, I love that cardigan. It looks really classy. It's got a sort of English cricket and it's got covered buttons, which mm. is one of my, it's my favourite button. Yeah. <laughs> and then she turned around with something which maybe we'll put or maybe we should media, uh, save but, it as a big um, reveal yeah. but on the subject of clothing I'm wearing a jacket today which I have had for nearly I've had it for 15 years anyway mm. and I've I can honestly say I've never decided whether it's a terrible jacket <laughs> or a sort of brilliant jacket I'll tell you Thanks. Um, well, I'm thinking of posting it, and uh, perhaps we'll hold your opinion a little, because you might—you're a bit of an influencer. Aren't you one of those influencers? You an influencer, Pierre? I, should, Are you? I don't think so. I'm more a, of a—I'm an you affluencer. Know, you know, you know what I think is they have—they have micro and macro influences. Do they really? According, yeah. So people who. Um, Influence people who go to macro the wholesale market. <laughs> I hope there are people who do that. No, I'm going to put up a picture. I genuinely would like to know. My partner, I have to say, hates it. Does she? And, and of course, being cat, she says things like it's the worst jacket she's ever seen in her life. She's unable to have any sort of nuanced response to anything. But I'd love, to, I'd love to love it. Mm. But it's... Uh, in fairness, something being the worst thing someone's ever seen is quite a thing in itself, I mean. Yeah, but would you want to be wearing it? I'd definitely keep it on that basis. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd sell it, sell it to the... Uh, I'm worried about how to The compose. worst thing museum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love a word. Why doesn't Kath set that up? I'd be a partner. She would be good. Um, I, I, the I'm worst not, things uh, ever museum. Don't send in things that should be. Let's try, let's keep the let's keep life positive. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to know if anyone like me has been really influenced by advertising yeah. in the past. Yeah. I said I, I I've been monster munched, <laughs> and uh, it's all right. Didn't mind it. <laughs> well, there's that there's that Henry Ford quote: "Half my money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just wish I knew which half." Oh, oh that is a cool. Can oh, I do say, you like, we were like the two slightly slightly. That was good. <laughs> the, the, oh. the less intelligent friends in the room. Yeah. It took us about two seconds. Sort of we were one. with a really clever person. We went, oh. oh. <laughs> Can I say, by the way, a, a big thank you um, this morning to my phone, which is um, still looking, apparently. I never asked. He's still looking for possible exposures on my behalf. <laughs> Hmm. I've, I have no idea why I just keep getting this message up. Oh. So um, if there's any flashes out there, watch out. Oh, God. My phone's after you. This is Frank Skinner. Skinner. This is Absolute Radio.
This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Pierre Novelli. Ian Brody will be uh, joining us from uh, 10 a.m. <gasps> but that, but presumably, now we've put a time on it, which is always a mistake when you're on the other, on the decade channels, it'll be 11, won't it? I said that as if it was a casual observance. Of course, it was a reprimand. Dressed up as a casual observance. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless. Um, <laughs> So, yes, you can text our show on, on 8, 12, 15. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email the show, free, mm. brackets, uh, via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Frank. Ho, ho. I think it's fair to say people have quite strong opinions on the jacket you're wearing this mm. morning. Can I establish, <laughs> I put up a picture of a jacket that I own and um, I know people, you know, on radio there's a lot of desperate characters on radio and they're trying all sorts of things for textings and stuff. but this is something I genuinely want to know what the word on the street is on this jacket. <laughs> I really, I cannot decide I'm, and that's honestly from the heart I'm not doing this just as some sort of comic contrivance Yeah um, we've, I mean, I don't know where to begin so I will anyway. Vicky Purves it's the shade looks like caramel shortcake. Is that uh, a bad thing? Blonde <laughs> chocolate? <laughs> My favourite. Blondie. I'm not passing any judgement. Someone else has compared the shade to woven earwax. Oh, oh. man. Uh, Justin of Earlwood. Oh, oh yeah. one of my favourite titles. Justin of Earlwood. Sorry, it just keeps making me laugh. Is it Earlwood, one of the Blues Brothers? <laughs> Justin of Earlwood, uh, he looks like the seat of a triumph stag. Um, uh, is that about the jacket or just <laughs> <Yeah>. me? <laughs> no, no, because the triumph stag, I think, speci- it was a specific colour to the seat, which I can remember. It's a sort of brown. I thought it was just had a very thin neck, so I'm gave it, giving my head a sort of headrest. A lot of people, <laughs> including Mandy Tame Wellborn, uh, thanks for the tip. Yeah. It's a bit Bodie and Doyle. A lot of people are making uh, oh, Bodie and Doyle Bodie references. And Doyle, you would have looked ace in 1977. A lot of people. Both positive and negative sides of the aisle making a Starsky and Hutch reference as well. But oh, okay. some, some in a very... No, Bodie and Doyle was um, the professionals. No, no, but also Starsky and Hutch. Oh, we're, okay. we're getting all the duos. There's, there's no cop <laughs> show uncovered yes, yeah. here. Okay, every cop show has been thrown in Would the Would you say, uh, generally speaking, it was positivity or negativity? I would, say, I would rather not say. <laughs> oh. Claire, Claire Cowley says, no income tax, no guarantee. That's her... That's her oh, uh, really? Yeah. That's a very good you way know. of putting it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that and also, of course, could be the uh, current government's mantra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, does it look like that? You know, I mean, I've seen it before. Oh, well, you have seen it before, because ah. I suppose you have done. Because occasionally I get... I want to have two or three days where I think, no, actually, I do like it, and then I'll look, lose my yeah. nerve. Look, if the important thing is you like it. Well, no, that Says is... no it. one ever no. in the fashion industry. Yeah. No, yes. but also I'm not sure I do. <laughs> That's my problem. I think it's one of the rare... You know when I said I, I, I bought Monster Munch on the, on the strength of an advert? Yeah. Oh, by the way, they I'm come not, in the pocket I've, said monster, I've said Monster Munch a lot this morning. Don't send me any free Monster no. Munch or anything. I can, I can afford Monster Munch. No. Just because I'm not doing fantasy football, don't think I can't get my own snacks. I'll show you, I'll reveal to you guys. I, was, I, I did some label purchasing, right? And. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah, oh. so here's the label. I'm showing them the label. It says, it's a it's a big E and a big A. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mean anything to you? Eamon Andrews. Yes, Eamon Andrews <laughs> wore this jacket. <laughs> I remember the valley of the shifting whispering sands when I was visiting one of the northern states. Um <laughs> Yes, um 
In case you don't know, I'm an Andrews. He was. He did one of the best things that ever happened in yeah. boxing commentaries. He, bo- did he? he he commentated on amateur boxing night on the television. You speak a lot of ABA stuff in those days. Mm. He commentated on the first two fights and then he fought in the third one <laughs> and commentated on the fourth one. <laughs> Anyway, it's EA Emporio Armani. Is it? Yeah, who'd have thought? Not me. So um, it's got the label. I just, I'm not sure if it's got the style. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. I saw an interesting uh, survey done. Now, I, you know, there's some surveys you see in the paper and you think, why would any bo- anyone bother to do that? But I yeah. saw one that was, um, I thought, actually, this is interesting. It's all about, I suppose, how we judge ourselves. And firstly, to thine own self be true, as Polonius said in Hamlet. Yes. And they asked a series of um, adults here and in the United States how they'd fancy the chances <laughs> against various members of the animal kingdom. <laughs> fighting, you mean? Yeah, fighting. Yes. Yeah. Can so, I say, before we go any further, <clears throat> my money's on Pierre all the way, Frank. But oh, all yeah. of these battle, every animal no, he no. would beat. If there was a wild animal in the corridor, <laughs> it'd be Pierre who went out, certainly. Also, he's from Africa, so, you know, they He understands wild animal, yeah, how they operate. My dream is to live up to the sort of crocodile Dundee idea that I've got some kind oh, of... Some, FYI, someone just compared your coat to the sort of thing, the, a crocodile Dundee's sofa. Anyway, back to you. Again. OK, well, I... Um, <laughs> at least he's not crocodile skin. I hope not crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I'd fancy... I, the crocodile was one of the animals listed, and I think you've always got a chance with a crocodile because of the... Um, Don't be silly. ..the stick tactic. You know that? Yes. When you see people have wedged the stick in the crocodile's mouth so it can't close its jaws. Now, I don't know where this originates from. I've seen it in many different manifestations. Yeah. So I think if you're in crocodile country, maybe sport a cane <laughs> would be a good idea. And uh, as soon as a crocodile approaches, just once it's wedged in, you can mock it to your heart's now content. Now, because yeah. crocodiles, they're the real demons because uh, alligators aren't quite so bad. They're Is smaller. That right? Yeah, I think crocodiles, they're the real satanic Frightening ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. Alligators are less aggressive, I believe. Um, really? I thought mm, that was just an allegation. <laughs> no, because there was a specific Australian camp. It was after I left. It was, but it was called Crocwise. Be Crocwise. Okay. You know that's what you get. Yeah. But so, I, crocodiles are definitely worse. I, I seem to recall. I anyway, d- I do know that. I'm pretty sure it's crocodiles, but you, the, the force of their bite is in the down motion. That's where all the muscle is, and to open their mouth they just use sort of almost one small tendon so you could inth- you could hold their mouth shut with a f- f- uh, index finger and thumb really mm. you see frank this is what we need on board with yeah. us he knows all the technicalities <laughs> what i need is one of those clips that you put on um packets of pasta and stuff yeah. to keep yeah. it one the crocodile approaches <laughs> gotta put the clip on the end yeah. and then back in the cupboard yes and you they'll see, be fresh don't you f- <laughs> i don't tom- want them that, fresh that i don't tom- want them anything Box fresh crocodile tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people eat that, do they? Do you um, know there have been instances where people have befriended them? Now, and you've heard of things like, well, you know, he stayed loyal to this croc keeper for years and he was, it was a lovely relationship. Is it, though? Mm. How could you ever trust them again? I could never, never. open up my heart to well, them. Well, there was a man somewhere in the north of England and they found a, a crocodile... And um, I think it was uh, some sort of wild, uh, like a dingo or something, Mm. in his flat, which he'd been keeping them as pets. And he said when he was questioned, he said in the paper, he said, you know, I I love that. I've loved that crocodile. It's, 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 you know, it's very special to me. And I always thought that poor dingo. Mm. Must have read that and thought, not a, not a mention. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I've, been, I've lived in a council flat in the north with him and a crocodile, and now, no. and now the truth is out. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Frank Skinner.
We were talking about um, people fighting um, other species. Yes. Yeah. This is all hypothetical. Um, amongst British men, I think I've got this statistic correct. I'm just including men. They did include women in the in the survey. Yeah. But one in five British men feel that they could beat a chimpanzee in a hand-to-hand combat. Mm. One in five? Yeah. That's too hard. Do you think they're thinking of the, the PG tips chimps? No, uh, yes. I think... Well... <laughs> it's, it's so polite. I think I could get that. Well, There's one in ten, is it, Frank? Or maybe that's women. I think that's, a, I think that's including women. Oh, just the men. Just just the men. It's one in five. What, be is, honest, Frank. Do, how do you... What, what are your, would your chances be? Be well, totally honest. As someone who doesn't drink, I'm a bit wary of, of taking them on. If they'd asked me in the old days, I'd have said, yeah, I'd have two, two chimps. <laughs> you can always, uh, of course, if it's, things are going bad with the chimp, you can also suddenly slap the, their bomb and it works like the buzzer on uh, Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> the whole thing stops <laughs> immediately. The no, thing is they... I would be... Um, um, well, uh, let me quote uh, Jan Gayron, I think is her name. And uh, I'm presuming it's a lady, Jan. Oh, I thought it was a Danish man or something. And she works... What would it make? She works for the uh, Wales Ape and Monkey Sanctuary. Mm. Busy, are we? Yeah. <laughs> um, when I say Wales, I mean the yes. the country of Wales. It's yeah. not like it's not like a sanctuary which include. They didn't have a, They didn't sit around and say like we got we got an enormous. We got one enormous tank and nine cages. Any ideas? Anybody? They're all mammals, are they? <laughs> exactly. They never. Wales wasn't on the list actually. Whether you no. could. Anyway, um, she was told that. Um, all these people, some women, but a, a great many men think they could uh, beat a chimpanzee. And she said uh, they would stand no chance. <laughs> that was the first thing. Bit, bit, bit disloyal, Jan. <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, if this, if this, if this escalates into out-and-out warfare, I think Jan will have to be imprisoned. In, in a Planet of the Apes star scenario, she's a potential collaborator. She is. Uh, exactly, yeah, treason. This is treason, Jack. Yeah, I'm struggling to move on from bit disloyal, Jack. Well, I think it is. You know. I'm disloyal to your species. Anyway, this is what she said. She said, um, chimps. One thing she said, um, which I don't altogether agree with, she says people forget that chimps can bite. I have not forgotten that. <laughs> My first thought of fighting a chip was, oh, I worry about the teeth elements. Well, you get, unless you arrange for them to get veneers or something, well, they, they, get, they get very bad fangs. Do they really? Mm. Have you not seen the fangs? They don't show you those in the PG tips. No, cool. no. Very cool they lads. do those. It's that thing when they open their mouths very wide and go, <laughs> and then, yeah. then you get it. Mm. Very, very, the cheapest way, of course, would be to send the chimps to Turkey for turkey teeth. That's the only way you can really. <laughs> well, instead of only wears Essex veneers. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> this TV is ready what, chimps. But this is, let me quote her. She says, chimps go for the eyes and then the hands. Do they? That's what they, they do. I found if you fight school children, they tend to go heads, head and shoulders, knees and toes. Uh, <laughs> 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 but they all have their tactics. Yeah. Um, yes. Ruth Jordan, <laughs> talking about the chimp's teeth reminded me of Frank's brilliant story of a horse biting him in slow motion. Mm. I know that wasn't strictly a fight against another species, but I think it's fair to say Frank did lose. Yes, I mm. did. And I, I noticed, I don't think horses were on the list for this. I don't think no. anyone had really fancied their chances uh, taking on a horse. Well... <laughs> Maybe Mongo in um, Blazing Saddles, if you remember, hits a horse on the chin and knocks it out. Yes. Yeah. I fancy my chances against an elephant. Now that's a mistake. <laughs> I think you've got that. You've misjudged that. <laughs> I tell you why. It's not. I'm not strictly. I'm not talking about sort of you know combat here. Hmm. I think you could reason with these people because I feel they're um, very intelligent and they're innately quite decent. 
So you could maybe... I think they're quite conflict-avoidant. I think you could talk them down from the fight. Yeah. Forget about that with the crocodile. Do you see what, what you I mean? need is a mouse in a small box. <laughs> is that if any elephants? Is that an urban myth? I that? don't know. Any elephant trainers? I was once allowed into an elephant house by a, a what I would call a rogue keeper. Well, I was uh, impressed by my what was then I might call my celebrity, and I was let in with my Strange girlfriend at the time. Strange things you used your celebrity for. Yeah, well, he offered. I wasn't. I didn't go and ask. He offered and you what he had. Yes, which so, is access to an elephant. Access to the what? elephant. Did he come up to you on the street? No, he saw. Like I was at the zoo. Evil character in Dumbo. I won't say which zoo. I was looking, at, uh, and he came up and said, "Ah, oh, Frank Skinner, blah blah blah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to?" That's oh, almost an elephant. Yeah. Out. So um, <laughs> we went in, and the elephants surrounded us, and they got closer and closer. I could feel the tree bark like trunks of them. Yeah. And it started to get a bit frightening. So I foolishly thought I'd just be able to push them back, and they wouldn't oh. move. And they were getting in closer and closer. My uh, girlfriend at the time was becoming very alarmed, as was I. And we could hear this bloke going, gah, gah, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, no. And eventually a small gap formed and we scampered out. But, my God, the pulses in my neck were throbbing. Mm. The, the, the moral of this story is I wouldn't take on the elephants <laughs> if I was you. They, uh, they're very good at standing their ground. Especially got, I know, I've still... I, I cannot think of anything that could be... that Pierre couldn't defeat. <laughs> I honestly think, Frank, I would fancy Pierre's chances with a cheetah, lion, I know, but I think you've got... Um, hand-to-hand combat mixed up with a pub quiz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner. Absolute radio. Absolute radio. We were talking about um, Man v Chimp. I have to admit. I, I mean man... Humankind v Chimp. Yes. Yeah. I have to admit, embarrassingly, given the jokes about me taking on wild animals... You have fought one. No, but my uncle... No, uh, I remember. I remember during that song. I went, "Oh, hang on, my uncle Peter has chased a lion away <laughs> in his life." Can okay. you give him my number? Yes. Was he armed? He was armed with a a, a car jack. Oh, I, that he I, waved you know, above his head. Can oh, I say wow. I'm obsessed by Uncle Peter? <laughs> yeah. Oh, carrying a car jack round with well, him. Well, you not, sure it wasn't a Jaguar? <laughs> <laughs> Frank, that, that deserves something. A little something. A horn, I'll accept anything. Something. Okay, yeah. I'll, uh, what about uh, this? There we go. You took it quite far there. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, if um, the window opens. Uh, yes. So, um, what What happened? Of... And what was the upshot of. Uh... Also, what clothes was he wearing at the time? Ooh. Piss helmet. Yeah. I'm seeing a safari bog down, down I'm hoping a sort of quick fit fitter <laughs> overall. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of the garage. I'm see- I mean, I'm hoping it's your classic safari. It probably wasn't far off that. I'm not sure, actually. He's, my, my, to, for clarity and context, yes. my Uncle Peter was an, was an ecologist. My Uncle and, Peter married too far. And you've got to, um, you know, you've, you've, you've got to earn your... Your, your ecologist PhD by in his case endlessly tracking a particular antelope oh, did he, did he have, is he a bit Indiana Jones parents um Uncle Peter <laughs> yeah um, so does mean I see him in a study Frank so he learns languages for fun so I don't oh. know how much of a natural adventurer he is so Uncle sense. Peter yeah. p- picked an antelope and then followed that for a long for a long period they, 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 this is a while ago but they, even even in those days they managed to sort of put radio trackers on, on animals and kind of follow their migration patterns so just follow that one animal this this animal was the main one, yeah. These trackers wow. were quite expensive. As part of a herd, you know, it wasn't a yeah. particularly individualistic creature. No, it's not. Because there was that ecologist, uh, Vlad the Impala, <laughs> who just followed one. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, if you had to follow one animal, which one would you pick, do you think? I think the bear. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Um, no, not the bear. Uh, this is an advert called Follow the Bear, in case know, anyone... I know you know. You know everything. Um, um, what, if I was going to follow one animal... Mm. For knowledge's sake or for fun? Well, like just, following a band? 
Or just what animal, if you've got to sort of join it on its adventures, essentially. Uh, you know, you've got to think about where you'd like to be, what... Because mm. also, you're, you know, you're getting involved in its social life as well. Urban, urban fox would be interesting. Yeah. Oh, Maybe a curl, curl you, then you get international travel. Yes. <laughs> the narwhal. Oh, the narwhal. They are, no, they're too. I imagine they're quite spiky. Frank, uh... <laughs> I just want to quickly share this with you. I'm weighing up whether we've got the time. Okay. Can I... I'm going to go quickly, okay? Okay. Um, Frank, I was in a team meeting at work. I live in Paris. And as it often happens, when there's an English-speaking person and the attendees, the French speak English, at the end of the meeting, instead of the usual adieu, the guy said, if the good Lord spares us and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back again this time next week. I whooped and clapped, <laughs> then noticed the absolute confusion on my co-workers' faces, you know, when you're the only person getting the joke and mm. you're like, come on. Am I the only one who got that? I later Skyped the guy and said, I see what you did there. We laughed and he said, I've been saying this for years and you're the first one to get the reference. And there was a lot of praise for Frank in there that I've redacted. Well done, Frank and team. Les Français vous écoutons. Nice. Mm. I love it when you talk French. <laughs> Do you remember that in the, the original Adams family? Yes. That was a great bit. We have um, Ian Brody with us. Now, if this was Steve Wright in the afternoon, a great show that shouldn't have been removed, um, everyone would do this. This is what you do when you get a guest on. And when I was a guest on there, I would applaud as well just to thicken it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ian, it's great to see you. Hello, it's lovely to be here and in you're, this beautiful I, place. I think of you now all in black with the shades. You've gone very Roy Orbison in later life. <laughs> Do you know what? If 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 you if there's one thing you were going to go in later life, you'd want it to be royal. Yes, it? you know that's. I'll take that. You know? Oh man! I t when um, I have recorded with Ian in the past, and there is a thing. Uh, you, I, I don't know if I've ever said this, but like me and David Badil are singing, and you know, and then Ian sings a bit, and you just think, oh, it's great when you hear the proper guys <laughs> doing. <laughs> and I was I was looking at your. Um, press release and this is what it says that Ian has been um, a professional musician for 33 years wow did you know that? I didn't know that, no. You I almost said that out, actually. I know how it is with you musicians. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember any of those uh, years? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does feel like um, I'm comfortable in the role now. It took me a little bit of a while to be... I never think of myself as a, a musician. I was, you know, I've always thought of myself as uh, a writer, someone who writes and then figures out how to play it in the, you know, eventually kind of thing. I'm not... Because musician gives the impression that you're, you know, a master of your, uh, a master of your art there, you know what I mean? But, oh, I don't know. There's a lot of people calling themselves comedians <laughs> that uh, you wouldn't put in that category. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, did you, I've never asked you about how you started out. Was it the classic sort of start a band, buy a van, bang was around? Kind of. I mean, it was a bit of a strange beginning, actually. So I was, um... I had a guitar and I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a musician in a band. And I suppose, and I, I don't know why I had my guitar with me, but I was, it was a rainy day in Liverpool. <clears throat> and I was wandering around an area of the city that's quite, was then quite deserted, which was Matthew Street where the cavern was. Oh God, this is like a movie, <laughs> isn't it? It's raining, Ian's got his guitar cases next to the cavern. But, it, and it was, you know, pretty much deserted. It was like a waste ground and cobbled issues and I just came across this warehouse and it's, it did kind of change my life and there was a warehouse and on the side of it was written the Liverpool School of Music, Dream, Art and Pun and I was kind of standing, I thought, what is that, you know and this Irish guy was outside and he said, why don't you come in and have a cup of tea and I was like, are you allowed to do that he said, yeah, no. so I went in and there was a guy called Ken Campbell um, oh God, yeah, and he was—is um, that the director? Yeah. Well, he was a yeah. performer as well, very yeah. important independent yeah. theatre guy. And he decided, and it was in the golden age of the Everyman in Liverpool, where a lot of kind of actors who did pretty well were there. Uh, and I kind of went in, and he decided he wanted to stage a play outside London, and not in a theatre. And he thought this warehouse, and they'd opened this warehouse kind of in the hope that it would just be a creative space 
and he decided he was going to do a play called the Illuminatus Trilogy. And by the time I kind of left there, I was in the play as the guitar player in the play. And I kind wow. of, the stage manager was a guy called Bill Drummond, who, and then I ended up in a band with Bill and a girl called Jane, who was there. And so it sort of, I suddenly went into this weird world that I've yet to come out of, really. Yeah, I never knew that. And Ken Campbell was very alternative and. He worked with Sylvester McCoy and stuff. In the, mm-hmm. t- in the days when Sylvester McCoy's act uh, included him knocking a six-inch nail up his nostril. <laughs> he didn't ask you to... Uh... Didn't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to play um, on Absolute Radio, not on our um, Decade channels for various reasons mm-hmm. we won't go into. We're going to play your new single, which we'll talk about after. This is uh, The Lightning Seeds with, get wait for it, Emily Smiles. I once went round your house, Ian, and you'd got an enormous box set of Beach Boy stuff. I think it was, would it be Pet Sounds or...? Pet Sounds from every possible angle, I think. Yeah, there was, and and Ian was playing this, and it was just these voices going, "Ah!" and there was nothing else on it. It was just that sort of outtake. And when I heard this single, I thought, it, it definitely stuck, didn't it? Uh, because it's got that Beach Boys feel, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I was a bit obsessed with the, all those Beach Boys tapes for a, for a couple of years, you know, and I, and I do love the sound of harmonies, you know. I, I love I love doo-wop, really, and I love all those... You must love working with me and Dave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask a question? I hope this isn't awkward for you. Ian, be completely honest. I feel you will, because you're a scouser. What did you... When you first heard Frank and David sing, was it sort of one of those moments where you're mentally thinking, OK, I can work with him, I can work with him? What was your impression of their voices? I thought it was going to be great, honestly. I thought it was going to be great. And they were very different, you know. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I suppose, you know, I, I would have had my producer hat on and I would have thought, you know, this, yeah, this is going to... And, you, you know, I can sit this there and I can sit this mm. there. And uh, I haven't changed my mind. It was great and they sound great. See? <laughs> I, I find that quite touching, that answer. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't true, but it was touching. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Emily Smiles, you wrote with um, with Terry Hall from the specials. Yeah. How do you find co-writing? You know, W.H. Auden said when you co-write anything, it's like being on a tandem. You always think you're the one who's doing most of the peddling. <laughs> was it, That's is a good it, quote, though. Yeah, yeah, was it... Is it all right? Is it easy going? Well, I'm doing most of the paddling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but how does it work out? Did you sit in a room or do you say? Yeah, send... yeah. No, I don't, I don't really... Um, <clears throat> I don't... Co- I, find I can only really co-write with people I know in general. I like to know someone. And we did. We sat around a couple of times for a couple of afternoons and sang it on the acoustic and talked about what it would be and, and sort of ended up, you know, with, with the lyric. And did you agree, generally? <clears throat> yeah, I think we agree to change things. OK. You know, so it's, it's a, you must have that with David. You know, you, you sort of... You agree, but then you kind of agree to change something. Yeah, when we used to... We had a rule when we used to write together that if someone said, no, no, I really don't like that, you had to leave it. You yeah. couldn't really argue back. But I'm not saying there wasn't a lot of bubbling resentment. <laughs> but, you know. Um, so Emily Smiles is from your new album. It is. Which is called uh, See You in the Stars. Yeah. And it's out on October the 14th. Um, <clears throat> I've heard it. I've had a bit of a preview, I'll be honest with you. And I tell you and I emailed you about this. <laughs> it was incredibly... Uh, we've all got COVID now for me and Brody. Um, it's very uplifting. The whole thing is unashamedly positive, which is not always that popular in popular music, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it's hard to do that. It's easier some ways to write a uh, softer song, you know what I mean, or a, <clears throat> a sad song, although it's quite hard to write a sad song that's uplifting. But I think it's a bit more challenging because if you try and write something positive and up, you can slip into vacuous or, you know, a bit a bit yeah. trite, you mm. know. So it's a, a bit of a minefield. So it's kind of a challenge, I think, to get something that's up 
but not. Can I just you know. say I think Three Lions is an example of a song that is sad, a sad song that is uplifting. Mm. Thank you. Bittersweet. Well, bittersweet, that's the Brody brand. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm saying is it's sort of... Well, I suppose what I mean is it's sort of cynicism-free, the album, is what I felt, which is... I found that um, uplifting. I I, I wanted it to be quite open and quite direct. I think sometimes I can get a bit shy when I'm doing my own albums and, you know, sort of, like, say something and then cover it up a little bit with a bit of music or something and I felt I didn't want to do that I wanted it to be more direct and yeah I mean hopefully what you said you know uh, open well I'll tell you what I said I said it sounds like Body Holly would have sounded if he'd lived long enough to be influenced by the Beatles. It's the nicest thing anyone's ever, ever said about anything I've ever done. Well, let's stick with that. (laughs) Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio. Has anyone ever charted what's the most popular name in In the world and then put that in a song so that to sell lots of copies? I don't, I'd probably, yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> write it I down. Write it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write it down. No, he could have, you know when Robbie Williams did Let Me Entertain You, you thought, surely he's done that so it'll be over um, montages of various things. Yeah. On what, the on this morning or something? <laughs> of course you had yeah. that. You had, um, Life O'Reilly was used on Match of the Day for ages. It was, but it wasn't, you know, it was at the time it really suited it but it was at first I was because obviously it was written about waiting for Riley to be born and then finished off when he was born so it was couldn't have been further away from, from football really but it was great when they used it was that when a goal is born sorry when a goal <laughs> yes, is born that's, have, you, have you considered <laughs> very similar like when you score it <laughs> yeah you know there's a build up yeah. a bit of, bit of movement bit of action <laughs> Then yeah. And then there's a massive, massive celebration. Cigars all around. Yes. And life begins. Yes. <laughs> Have you considered writing a song about gradually getting better at boxing? <laughs> gradually getting Why? better. For montages. Oh, you get a lot of use oh yes, yeah. for, of yeah. course. <laughs> and we could write um, a song later. We could get the most popular name yeah. in every sport. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Frank, this is a bit awkward, but I do need to ensure that we ask Ian's opinion on something. Is it my jacket? I'm afraid it is. Would, okay. Do you want to handle this? Okay, my jacket. I want to wrangle it. My my jacket has been on display this morning. I genuinely want to know what people think of it. Ian, be honest with me. I know you lied about me and David singing, <laughs> but what about my jacket? What do you think? I think it's a cool jacket. You know, it's it's evocative. It's certainly evocative but what in does it very evoke? many ways. <laughs> Why is he, he losing his voice when he's talking, trying yeah. to say he likes I'm your jacket? I'd love to talk more about your jacket, but my voice is totally... Uh, he's such happened. a diplomat. I should have got into politics, Brody. Um, so, um, you've got, so the album comes out, as I say, see you in the stars October the 14th, but you're also on tour. Yes. With um, Badly Drawn Boy. Yeah, I'm a big fan Ooh. of uh, Badly Drawn Boy, so I was thrilled. I think it'll, it's uh, we'll complement each other really well, mm. um, you know, on the evening. And we and it's great to actually do a tour. I haven't, I'm not that prolific releasing albums, so it's been 13 years, I think, <laughs> since the last one. Not that Counts prolific. Not prolific. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's great because we, you know, we'll get to play all all the songs everyone likes to hear but a few new ones as well, a couple of new ones, a couple of songs we don't usually play. I think, you know, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. How do you handle... Do you play Three Lions on your tour? We do sometimes, yeah. So who... You know. When you say sometimes... Um, I, do you know I've had Do a, you do I, all the vocals? I, I do all the vocals. Oh, God, but yeah, no, we have a hologram of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be you don't know about no, that. no one told we me have, about the hologram. hologram of you. Surely in I should jackets. have been asked. In the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you've said that, though. If I if I am seen leaving the scene of a crime in that jacket, <laughs> yeah. I can claim it's it was the hologram. hologram. <laughs> what an hour been already committed once you put the jacket on. I sir. So I'm going to ask you, Ian, are you going to do another version of Three Lines for the World Cup? Um, <laughs> that's a very leading question, you know. I don't usually like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you 
you think? It'd be a if good you idea. were me, what would you do? I think it'd be good. You know, it's an unusual sort of World Cup and yeah, different time Christmas. of the year. We sh- yeah, maybe we should have a chat about that, maybe. Yeah, we left this a bit late. We're filming the video on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? What? Hang on. Are you serious? Sorry, is it a secret? Is it a secret? I don't know. Okay. I didn't know, but yeah. No. Um, is this real? This is um, so exciting. An exclusive. Um, well, should I not have said it? <laughs> oh, it's all right. I don't understand. Why is it a big secret? It's fine, I don't isn't know, it? yeah. Well, yeah. it's not I, anymore. I think it would be a good idea. Yeah. I <laughs> think you should let hope so. Let's hope it turns out to be the song one. on the way. <laughs> I've also got to sign 5,000 copies of the vinyl on Friday. Me too. Mm. Looking anyway, forward to that. How's the secret going? Shall we sing it? <laughs> <laughs> Shall I do the first line? I think you might have to do it all my throat is. Uh, okay. <laughs> Shall I do the first line? Do the first line. I won't say where it goes, but it begins like this. Loving that lioness's win. And then it goes on from there to discuss. Yeah. Uh, yeah to rem- remember the, the failure as well as this great moment. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, well, that'll be good. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't I'm, even speak. I've got a hot flush on. Yeah. You're yeah. not the only one in the room, dear. <laughs> Look, it's, 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 it's fine. I'm sure someone said it was... It was in a French magazine. I think it was exposed in a French magazine. Yeah. As yeah. so many things are. Mm. Is that right? Well, just, you know, the French. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, well, I think it's a very good idea. I, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to know what it's going to be like with the World Cup at Christmas. You know. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ian, are you going to get the little bells out? I love a bell. I wow, love a bell well, in a studio. Well, no, I'll give anything away. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm playing it next. I'm not. I'm really. Not, I'm not. Just playing it off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's very exciting. And um, spending time with Ian Brody in a recording studio is a very exciting thing because I can say he's the man, he knows all the stuff. And we actually did a bit in this is cool on top of Ian's house in his sort of attic recording <laughs> studio. And all these posters of the Beatles putting pressure on the guests. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really, it was exciting. I don't think I told you on the day, but being in your private studio really felt, you know, wow. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a good day. Anyway, we'll, we'll just edit that link out. <laughs> is this live? It is, oh, is it live? <laughs> oh, whoops. Um, Ian Brody is our guest this morning and can I just remind you that um, Lightning Seed's new single Emily Smiles, is that out now Ian? I think it's out now, yeah Yeah, and uh, sorry I didn't turn you up again, I'm not used to this many <laughs> faders It's out now, he said, older the voice oh, It's out now <laughs> And uh, new album See You in the Stars, October the 14th and the tour with Badly Drawn Boy um starts at Cambridge on October the 27th. So check out the Lightning Seeds product. In a town near you. Yes. <laughs> now, I've got to ask you one question. You produced Marky e. Smith. I did. How was that? <laughs> uh, I, I, we got on really well, myself and Mark. I think, or from my end, we did. Anyway, yeah. You might say I've said something different, but I don't think so. So we got on really uh, well. And I think I always, um, when I was producing... When people were supposed to be quite awkward, I never found them to be awkward. He was very encouraging. Why, you, why is everyone looking at me? <laughs> it's not true what they say about you. No. <laughs> and I'm here to, to okay. set the record straight. <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave it there. No, because, you know, obviously you do hear stories about him insisting that the, the recording the whole album onto a cassette player. and then... Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we went through those conversations. And, I mean, there was a logic to what he, he used to say. It was just an incorrect, slightly <laughs> logic. But, uh, but he was, I would say, he was a one-off, you know, which I love, you know, and, and, and his focus wasn't the things that most people are focused on when you made a record but when you got into the logic of what he was saying he was by no means stupid and by you know and you could understand why he was saying what he was saying 
so when we chatted about it, I think that's why it was able to we were able to sort things out like that, you know. And you were brave enough to argue back. We're stupid enough to argue yeah. back, yeah. Well, it's because you're touring with Badly Drawn Boy, and Badly Drawn Boy tells a story about leaving a Manchester club or pulling up outside a Manchester club. Marky e. Smith thinks he's a cab driver, gets in the back of the car, tells him the address, and Badly Drawn Boy is so frightened of Marky e. Smith, he drives him home. <laughs> Marky e. Smith tries to buy, tries to pay with his jacket. And he says, no, no, it's all right. Shame you didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it would, would have been a short ride. And then two days later, a mate gets in the back of Badly Drawn Boy's car and says, do you know there's a set of false teeth in here? <laughs> <laughs> that have fallen from Mark e. Smith on the journey. So, um, I mean, don't, obviously, as you know, I love, I love Mark e. Smith, but I might be a bit frightened about being his producer, but well done. Which, what, you did... Um, I am curious orange. Yeah, we did a couple of uh, a couple of things. We because uh, it was quite an intimidating start because I think he'd always like <laughs> test you out, you know. Hmm. So I remember uh, the first time I, I, I think I met him at the studio when we were going to do a song called Hey Luciani. That we yes, did, of course, about John Paul the First. Yeah, and uh, and I remember he said um, the song's called Hey Luciani. I'm going to the pub. The band aren't here yet. Could you sort the drums out? And I said, well, I've never heard the song. And he said to me, this should just be like a snake, and left. And I remember thinking, that's, that's, yeah, that's a tough brief, that. <laughs> oh, first time I met him, he was an hour late and said, all right, Stuart, how are you? <laughs> Anyway, Ian, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for sharing the news about Three Lions with Lovely us. Lovely chat, and I'm glad <laughs> I brought it up in the end. <laughs> so, look, um, so, yeah, go, go check out um, the Lightning Seed single album and to us. Oh, and don't forget to get your tickets for Absolute Radio live from the Absolute Radio website. That's an evening of comedy at the London Palladium on the 27th of November for the Teenage Cancer Trust. And there's lots of big comedians on it, um, Romesh Rang and Nathan. And Ed Byrne, Mad Ford, Kerry Godleman, Chris McCausland, and Zoe Lyons are on. But of course, it's hosted by the master. <laughs> oh, okay, God. so. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Ian. So, um, thanks for listening. If the good Lord spares us and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back again this time next week. Now, get out. This is Frank Skinner. This is Absolute Radio.